Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about bartending and Keys life. And if you're an avid listener, you'll notice that I was away this past week. Well, you notice I didn't drop an episode, so I was away. I guess I could have recorded a couple of episodes and done that, but I don't have any, I'm not under any agreement to release one or you know, twi- twice a week right now, and I will be doing that shortly. So, I wanted to talk about, I went to a wedding last week. I mean, today's Sunday, so I always had a problem with deciding what's the beginning of the week. Is Sunday, Sunday's the last day or the first day? Depending on what you're, you know, thinking about it. You know, as a restaurant worker, you normally, I don't normally have off until like Sunday. People always say, thank God it's Friday and stuff like that for me. Thank God it's Saturday night because I'm off the next couple of days. But um, I did go to the wedding and it gave me a new perspective. For years, I had walked, I worked in banquet uh, as a sales uh, salesman, maitre d' and a bartender. And I did almost every job in, in, in banquets. So... Uh, it, it was interesting because as a bartender in banquet, it's always about volume of drinks that you put out. Because because a banquet bartender, many times it's open bar and you're just taking care of your customers, right? It could be, I mean, sometimes you run a tab bar, but an open bar is someone comes in and pays a flat fee for it's a limited amount of alcohol and a certain amount of time that during the function. So if it's a five-hour function, we used to have five-hour open bars we offered. That's a lot of drinking. But it was you didn't keep tabs of it. You just made the drink. You go, boom, 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 here's your drinks, here, here's your drinks, here's your drinks. You just make sure uh, you're, you know, you're in the kind of like zone. People, uh, when they talked about the zone, the drink zone. Like if someone, if you're at a um, banquet, there may not be margaritas and espresso martinis and things like that. It's more like the basics. Whiskey and 7-Up, a VO or Crown, uh, Tito's, Smirnoff, things like that. Gin and tonics, some martinis. Uh, when it's like a gin martini or vodka martini. But the, uh, and it's funny, at the wedding, it was at this place in Baltimore City. I think it was Baltimore City. It was, or near Baltimore City. It's right outside of. It was the Art Donovan uh, estate. Art Donovan was an NFL player, and his family opened up a wedding venue there. And one of the gentlemen behind the bar was one of the children of, I think he was, a child of uh, Mr. Donovan or a grandchild. I mean, the guy was around my age. He could have been, the, could have been the child of. Him. Yeah, six, yeah, he was a son. He was a couple, maybe a couple of years younger than me. And uh, he came up and he said, what he, he said um, when he came up and served me for some reason, he said, oh, yeah, banquet bartender is different from restaurant bartender. And I'm like, what the hell? I never told, I, I try not. I am cognizant now that I do not walk up to a restaurant and walk in a restaurant and tell people, I'm a bartender someplace else. A lot of people say that. 
they go and say, I'm a bartender. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know why that would be. I mean, it shows you that you're relating with someone and you say, oh, I do this too. I understand. Uh, sometimes I'm surprised by, by the tip, by some people that say they're a bartender and, and then they tip, you know, rather, um, you know, casually low casually low tip and I'm saying oh you're a bartender too it just stands out when you say you're a bartender you're already shoehorning yourself into saying well I'm a bartender I know what you're going through I'm going to give you a big tip and in banquet open bars a lot of times at open bars people don't realize that you know if you're paying for something why would you pay someone why would you tip them if you're if you're paying for it when you don't tip the person at an open bar, which you should tip the person at the open bar. I went and tipped the, the bartenders and were kind of surprised. And, um, you know, certain affairs, people don't want tip jars out. And I understand. I understand that some people think it's um, gaudy. Gaudy or bougie. Or maybe not bougie. Bougie is not tipping, I think. <laughs> so... Uh, the, the bartender told me, he says, oh, banquet bartender, not the same as a bartender. I go, that is the same as a bartender, I told the guy. So I work in a restaurant. I told him after he said that. And I think maybe my one of my family members came like, oh, he's a, he's a bartender in, in a good restaurant in Key Largo. He bartends in the Keys. And he, I guess he went to inform me that he doesn't think that he's the same. I said, you know, after a while, you've been bartending a couple of years. I don't care. Every restaurant's different on how they present drinks and things like that most of the time. Unless you're doing classic bartender. Classic bartender. When you just use use a straight up right size glass, right type of glass and all that stuff. And you're doing it and you're doing classic drinks. When I say classic drink, drinks that aren't uh, necessarily have varied ingredients where some places, oh, this is our spin on the Cosmopolitan or uh, the Pina Colada or something like that. So banquet bars, you're just, you know, a lot of wine, a lot of beer, a lot of gin and tonics, a lot of seven and sevens. Um, yeah, you don't see the cream drinks, the frozen drinks, uh, the zany uh, wild martinis. But it doesn't mean you're not a bartender. And I don't think of you uh, any differently than I think of another bartender. I, I always said you got the people that say, well, I'm a mixologist. That's a bartender. You know, you can put a lot of care. You could be a mixologist and put out horrible drinks. And you could be a bartender and be very particular about the quality of product you send out. You know, and sometimes mistakes mistakes are, can be made when you're sending out a gin and tonic. That could, you know, you're, if you're getting the soda from your gun, the tonic from your gun, the syrup could run out and you don't even notice it. So you're giving someone a gin and club soda and the person says, I didn't order a gin and club soda. I ordered a gin and tonic. And it wasn't the bartender. It was the soda gun running out of syrup from the, the box was empty or, you know, or the tank. So whether you're a banquet bartender, restaurant bartender, bartender, mixologist, whatever you are, I treat you all the same. I, see, I want to see how you talk to people, how you do it. Sometimes I'm not always at my best. But uh, these, these were good bartenders at that, the, the place of wedding I went to. And I will talk about that trip shortly. Shortly. 
which is right now. So the wedding, it was my niece's wedding. And that's my uh, my sister, Peg, who's now associated with show. She's doing work on it. Peg Stein, who's a wacky person. Oh, and uh, she's sincerely wacky. It's not my interpretation of wacky. I say wacky because wacky is not as harsh as crazy, right? When someone's crazy, if you say someone's crazy, they need help. They need professional care. Now, wacky, wacky is personality. And they're really, you know, when someone's wacky, they're not dangerous. I mean, you don't necessarily want a wacky air traffic controller or a wacky brain surgeon. But then again, that doesn't mean they're be, they may not be wacky when they're doing their job as an air traffic controller or a brain surgeon. Right? And people that are listening may say, hey, Jim, of course your sister's wacky. So are you. Well, we don't really necessarily realize how unique or wacky we are. Well, we always do consider ourselves unique, but we think ourselves unique in, in kind of like a reputable way, meaning be held, you're, you're to be held in high esteem, but outside you may be seen as someone that's slightly walks to the beat of a different drummer is a kind way to say it, or like I like to say a wacky. So I have the wedding and I guess the things I'm going to be telling you coming up, you're going to think I'm wacky. So I had to book the earliest flight I could get because I wanted, you know, my day off. I just want to, I'm going to be gone for five days. I want to enjoy myself. Well, I kind of start ruining that by booking a flight at 5.30 a.m. And I'm an hour from the airport. And I like to give myself an extra half hour. So, that would, if the flight's at 5.30, you know that most of the flights now, 5.30, those door, that door is shut. So, you got to think like 5.15. An hour and a half away, that's 3.45. You know, giving myself an hour and a half, 3.45. Uh, I ended up uh, leaving at around, when did I leave? Around 3 o'clock. Now, prior to this, and I told you, I went to, uh, I signed up for P- a TSA pre-check to save myself some time. So, all these things left me. So, I came home at 12. Uh, I took a shower real quick, jumped into bed, and don't you know it? You know, I sent the alarm for, what did I set the alarm for? Like quarter of three. So, at most, I'm going to get two, two hours and 45 minutes. And I'm not one of those things. But I woke up an hour and 45 minutes later, and I'm thinking, it's 1.45. I'm going to be up in another hour. So I might as well take my time, have some coffee. Well, don't you know, I'd start dragging my ass around. I had prepared for a lack of sleep by napping the previous day twice, like getting an hour nap here, an hour nap there. I figure if I can get in early check-in, when it was flying, which was Sunday morning. If I get early check-in, I might be able to take a nap there too, which I ended up doing, which is great. So I'm driving up. The great, the, now I told you the horrible things to draw back to getting to the airport early in the morning. The great thing about it is on a Sunday morning, 
for July 4th weekend, you think it'd be very busy, right? Obviously, the first, the first flights. And then we're, we've been hearing in the, in the news how backed up all the airlines are and how the people are waiting in the terminals and things like that. And I thought, wow, I'm glad I, uh, I booked an early flight because if they delay it, at least I'll be able to go. I got to go. It's a familial obligation. You got to be there. Niece's wedding. You can't blow it off because of that. So I didn't book the flight for the day of the wedding. I booked to get up there. So I ended up getting up there. And don't you know, when I got up to the airport, it was uneventful. I had my TSA pre-check. I had the device. You know, I have a defibrillator that's implanted in there. I told the guy, and he says, oh, just go through the walk through here. The um, kind of like the walk-in sonogram that um, were x-ray. So I did that. There were only, even with the TSA pre-check, right? There was only three people in front of me, and that's, or five people in front of me, and three of us were pre-check. So we were through, it took me a a little while to go, uh, to go through just because, I mean, I'm just to put my bags down. So it was almost like walking through TSA, total of 30 seconds once they checked my ticket. Then I go in there, wait at the gate for about 20 minutes, and they start boarding, get there, no problem. Busy weekend, no problem. Arrive at BWI, no problem. Go to the um, rental car pickup. Now, I walk in the door. The company I had rented from, I rented from a third-party app. I think it was... um, whatever, Hopper, but it really doesn't matter who I rented from, really. I mean, who I rented through. If I rented directly from the provider, the the company, or through a third-party app, because when I looked over to the place where everyone's right, this is 830, and all the other places, the rental car kiosks are open, it's... uh, empty. There's no lights on. There's no one behind there. There's no one in the office. There's no one at the office next to him, but all the other kiosks open. I said, are they, do other places, rental places open later? said, no, they're supposed to be here at eight. And there's no note. There's no sign. I said, are you handling the rentals for me? They go, no, no. Do you know anything about it? No, no, no. So I ended up calling and they go, there's no one there. (laughs) You figure the agency would know there's no one there. It's like an airline not knowing there's no plane at the airport for at the time you're supposed to leave. Right? So I ended up calling and then finally I got a hold of somebody. And there were 20 people waiting for, for cars, minimum 20. And they they didn't know what was going on. And they, I guess they didn't have the wherewithal to, to call. I'm not saying they did have the wherewithal, but they didn't think to call. So I was calling around. They said, oh, everyone's moving around. Uh, they're moving around the cars. I said, well, maybe they should come in and tell them that or leave a note and say we're, you know. But no, they're moving around the cars and the people are getting a little irate and all that stuff. I think I handled it right, but, you know, they pretty much, finally a, there was a person that came in and eventually ended up getting a car. I eventually ended up getting a car. But I think they knew everyone kept on that. When I was making the calls, the the people on the other end of the line for the rental company kept on asking my name. And I said, well, uh, 
it doesn't really matter what my name is. There's no one here. I'm not, it's not me. It's, it's you guys. You got to, you got customers you got to service. It's not, you, not me you have to service. You got customers that you've reserved cars for. So I ended up getting one. I ended up getting one, um, uh, like a little SUV, and ended up going, getting to the town. I was going north of Baltimore, Towson, lovely town, lovely town. I used to live in there, Towson, Maryland. Um, and I, I was staying at a nice hotel there. And I walk in, I'm going to leave my, I had a suit, it was clean, but I figured I'd get it all pressed out, but I'm looking at it, it's almost fine, it looks like it's fine. And um, I go, listen, I just want to drop it off for pressing, and then I look at it, oh, it looks fine and stuff. You know what, don't worry about that. And they go, we can check you in. And I'm like, what? It's 11 o'clock. Or, what was it, 10 o'clock, it was early. So I said, okay, they checked me in. I went and took a nap, ended up having uh, a barbecue. They had a barbecue, but it was at a barbecue restaurant, a Texas barbecue restaurant, because the groom's from Texas. And I didn't say this. You know about me and all that stuff, but my niece, my, my sister married a Jewish guy, and my nieces are were raised Jewish. And my oldest niece works for a big political... Uh, Action Committee called APAC. And uh, the, uh, uh, so, so the groom's from Texas. She's from Philly. And, uh, but they're having a rehearsal dinner. It's barbecue. It's great food. I, I just loved it. And they had about 100 people at the rehearsal dinner. And I was introduced to the groom's uh, uncle, and he's staying at the same hotel, and he's um, a Vietnam vet. And like I said, oh, my, oh, I mentioned in passing that my niece was raised Jewish. Well, she married another Jewish guy that worked for APAC. And a lot of the guests, most of the guests, so not only their relations were Jewish and their guests, so the only one part of the family of the bride, well, they the bride's mother's family, is not Jewish. So we were the small table, we small group of Goyim. But we got along great with them and stuff like that. And I ended up being in the same hotel as the, uh, the groom's uncle, who's their surviving, the rel close relative. And uh, I ended up driving him. And I drove him to, him, uh, to and from the venue. I, well, I picked him up from uh, the rehearsal dinner. I took he and his wife. And then the next day, I drove him over to that Art Donovan house I told you about for the wedding. And uh, he, you know, it, it, was, it was funny. It was funny because here I am driving around. I said, hey, no problem because I don't have anything to do. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. Uh, my, my wife and daughter are around, so it's not like we're touring. So I went out. You know, did my own thing before the wedding. I went and walked through the center of town. I used to like Towson. Oh my God, I still like Towson. Um, it's such a comfortable town to walk around, and it's in you know inside Baltimore County, so it has almost all the conveniences of a city, but not being a city. It does you know, not not being like downtown Baltimore. 
just a, it's a college. There's a couple. There's about five colleges there. And it's the college town. And it's the county seat for Baltimore. So I would go in there, stop at a couple of restaurants. I ended up getting pizza and a pizza steak. Oh, my God. The diet I was on there. I didn't have tons of dessert. Well, I had some. But I didn't have a ton. I did not. I don't think I ate. I ate one salad. And that salad came with the dinner at the wedding. So... It was fun. I, I came with my own yarmulke. Yeah, I had my own yarmulke, even though they gave their own yarmulkes out. And I just realized, I told, uh, I was telling some of my students at my spin class, what do you like to do? And one of my Jewish students, she goes and says, oh, I have a yarmulke you can have. And it was a nice ivory-colored silk yarmulke. It was really, really fancy. So I show up at the... Um, a wedding uh, in my... Uh, it was a nice suit. I tell you, I liked the suit. And I just bought it. And it was um, it was comfortable. Even though it was hot. It was a comfortable suit. It was a you know, nice dress shirt. Dark blue suit. And I'm in the wedding and stuff like that. And someone says, Oh, do you ever... Will you wear a yarmulke? And I say, Yeah, I'll wear a yarmulke. Because they're having a ceremony there. Uh, and it's all here. They had blue yarmulkes. I said... And I'm talking to a Jewish gentleman and he goes well you can grab one of these and he said oh okay because I, I did mention I said it's not disrespectful isn't it because he says no I said will you wear yarmulke I just said yeah I just wanted to know if it was disrespectful he said no it isn't and I said well by the way I have my own yarmulke and the guy just looked at me so I left it at that and I said well yeah I, well of course I have my own yarmulke it's fitted and it fitted perfectly on my head it's just kind of almost sucked to the back of my head. I was surprised by it. But I did that. Had a, had a, I walked my sister, the, the mother of the bride, down the aisle. Uh, boy, I thought uh, Catholic weddings, and I went, I've been through one, but it doesn't seem as long as when you're doing it because you're kind of like in terror that you're getting married. You know, it's just terrifying. This is terrifying when you're getting married. You just realize, oh my God, would I, did I just make a wrong decision? I'm talking about my first marriage. Um, the, uh, oh my God, I'm making the decision, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it seems like only 10 minutes. But I know on the outside, a Catholic wedding takes forever. Now you got all the readings, you got the, the, the what the priest says, and then you got to go and do, and you're up, you're kneeling up and down. I'm, I'm Roman Catholic, so I'm, no, I'm familiar with this. And then you got to go and pray at the, the little shrines they have at the, you know, if you're doing it, you're going, the bride goes and prays to Mary. And uh, I don't know, do we pray to the Holy Family, which is whatever it is? Well, they have just as long traditions in, and older, much older traditions as in uh, Jewish uh, ceremonies. And you know, there's a whole, you know, you have the chuppah, you have everything. And then you have the seven blessings, seven or eight blessings, where people come up and do a reading. Seven or eight of them. And then the rabbi had, she had a lot of readings to do. And it was outside. It had rained really hard that night, but fortunately during the wedding, or unfortunately because it was hot as hell, we eventually kind of calmed down and cooled cooled off and stuff like that but um, 
Yeah, so it was a long, long ceremony in the heat. And then it was a delicious meal. I hung out and uh, ended up, uh, when I drove Larry over, and and I said, Larry, that's the uncle of the bride, and his wife over, he says, you know what? You should just spend time with your family while you're here because you're there with your you know, your brothers here and his family, your sister and her family and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not doing it. I'm not drinking and stuff like that. So, okay, yeah, sure, that'd be great. And um, I'm uh, at one point he said he was going to leave early because he wanted to get he had to get up early the uh, next day to go to Washington D.C. to visit another um, his I think his son or daughter. And he was getting up, and then I was deciding I was going to the bathroom. And he sees me get up, and I'm putting on my t- straightening my tie and all that stuff. He goes, "Oh, that's so nice! You're going to drive us again?" And I'm thinking, "Oh no, I got up at the wrong time. I should have just sat down." Because he had told me he was going to catch an Uber, but I got you know. Once he said something like that, I I, I wanted to say. I thought in my head, I said. Um, well, remember what you said that I was going I was planning on staying because I was, you know, but you know, listen, it wasn't like I was dancing or anything like that or already eating the cake. Right? And stuff like that. So, I wasn't going to leave. It was only it was about 10 minutes away. So, what I did, I drove Uncle Larry and his wife back. And then uh came back and during the course of the night, it was just a it was a like I said, it was a beautiful uh uh reception but I didn't realize one of the things is my brother and I are talking and we do the things we always accuse women of doing walking to the going to the bathroom together so we're walking up to the bathroom and don't you know there's our nephew there we're all in there at the same time and I know this might be slightly embarrassing but it's like old habits never die I always thought Ted my brother and I were the nicest guys very empathetic to people and things like that. I didn't have any drinks. I didn't have any drinks that night. So you're going to have to decide how to evaluate my uh, uh, behavior there in, in this thing. So we're all in the bathroom. We're talking. After you know, we took care of our business, which we didn't have to go to a stall or anything like that. So you could kind of tell you what we're going on. But there's someone in the stall. My nephew leaves, my brother and I there. There's a basket of one of those, I guess a basket of necessities. Napkins, mints, uh, mouthwash, which, you know, it's got to be single-use mouthwash because, I mean, who's, you're not going to use this, someone else's mouth, you know, if they're drinking from it. But, and it was a Febreze can. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And all of a sudden, my brother and I noticed, I don't mean, I try not to be crude. I not, try not to be crude. And I'm so, there's someone in the in the stall. And he had uh, some kind of intestinal distress, I think. And you could tell by two of the senses. Two of the senses, I'll let you to guess. One is sound. And the other was the one that, is the worst sense to have when you're in the restroom. It's if you could do without any sense, senses, the one sense you don't want to have, which is a sense of smell. So we notice something's going on there and something like that, and I go, wow. And then I see the Febreze. Holy crap. I grab the Febreze. 
I start spraying it around the stall. And my brother, um, he's horrified. He's horrified at the time. And I start spraying underneath the opening stall. And I'm thinking, what does that sound like? You hear our deep voices in there. Um, I guess I'm a big guy. And I'm spraying under the stall. And I said, that is a bully behavior. I realized that like an hour late later. Because it was so... And I, I think my brother was laughing nervously. <laughs> Stop. You know, he's kind of laughing and stuff like that. And I said, well, whatever. My brother said he was... It did bother him that he did that. But I, I just went on... Yeah, that that was horrible. And I have to make amends to that person in there if they ever listen to the podcast. I'm so sorry. And no one knows who you are. Because there was 150, 170 people at that wedding. So I don't know who it was. And I'm sorry that I sprayed Febreze underneath the opening. Okay, well... That was pretty much it. I'm going to go just a couple minutes over. It was delicious cake. Had a wonderful time. Had a little barbecue afterwards. Went on a nice road trip. Went on... Uh, I I needed to go driving. I, I took an extra day. I mean, first of all, I wanted to see my family. And second of all, I had to see some sights. Right? Because I am down in Florida. And when you're driving South Florida from the Keys up, there's only like... Two ways to go. And you see the same thing. I've been up to the mainland uh, at least 100 times, 150 times in the last, maybe even more, maybe 200 times. And it's always the same thing, you know, construction on some of the roads, blah, 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 this, this, that. So I look forward to doing something. I need to reinvigorate my soul. So I went on a, I would, if it's a driving walkabout, and I decided to go someplace I haven't been before. And it was magical. I got really, I really got rejuvenated on this trip. Gave me purpose. It was exciting. It was exciting seeing things you haven't seen uh, before. And seeing things, you, and you know, I guess in combination, the whole thing with the wedding, seeing, seeing your family and friends, right? And uh, for the wedding, and then doing that drive, which was probably the, the, the drive was the most r- relaxing part of it. And I came back, and it was uneventful too, the trip back. The trip was had a wonderful trip. The trip back was uneventful. Easy drop off and the airport. It, it was empty. Now this is Thursday, July sixth. Two days after the Fourth of July, one of the busiest weeks. Break record breaking thing. I went into the terminal. There was I could see five people in the terminal at three forty five. They were going to board the plane at four forty five. I, I was planning on getting something to eat. Right, and uh, over four o'clock actually, and but there was no one there. I had to walk back to another terminal where they had restaurants open because 
the flight was leaving. This is the weird thing. Um, they don't open up, and it makes sense. They don't open up their stores or their restaurants if there's no flights leaving. So I guess we were in the one where all the international flights leave. And on the East Coast, international flights usually leave in, in late afternoon. So there's no need to open a restaurant until, you know, and they leave later. So they open, I guess they were open up, they were open up 5 to 11, the restaurants. But, you know, my, we were boarded by that time when the restaurant was open. So I had to walk down to like two terminals down to go there. And ended up getting uh, uh, on the plane on time, blah, 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 flew in there, got into Miami a little early. And what a change of pace. You know what I mean? I'll tell you, people say a lot of shit down here about the old eastern cities. Baltimore, Philly, New York, Boston, uh, D.C. But I'll tell you, straight up driving to driving, it's a pleasure driving up north. People have some modicum of uh, behavior, the way they behave in public, the way they drive. When you, they don't drive like psychopaths. So when you get into Miami... And I got in my car, what I think it would be around nine o'clock or maybe quarter of nine. Because I got maybe even, no, it had to be like a little after eight, maybe 25 after eight. Well, I got home at nine. I got home at 930. But driving on Miami, it was like getting into, if you're familiar with the Mad Max movies, a dystopian future where it's every person for themselves. And you get on to the Florida Turnpike going south from Miami Airport. It is like the return to Thunderdome when they're chasing Mel Gibson and his group of people in, their, in a train car. And they got all those hodge, hodgepodge, hodgepodge put-together vehicles chasing them. That's what it feels like. It's like Death Race 2000, uh, Mad Max, maybe, what's it, Return to Thunder Road, whatever the, the new Mad Max one is. So the one with Charlize Theron. You know, when all the post-apocalyptic uh, weirdos get in their car and start driving. Now, obviously, there's not a bunch of, well, if you judge the people by the way they drive in, their, in, in, in Miami, a lot, there's a lot of psychopaths. If you judge them, because there's just the way they wave in and out. When I say a lot, let's say one in one in twenty. We got one in twenty cars just going, maybe even less, but they just make such a big impact. If you're doing hundred miles an hour in a seventy mile zone, one hundred ten mile, uh, uh, you know, hundred miles an hour in a seventy mile per hour zone, it's significant. Uh, speed differential and you start seeing and it just go you got that guy weaving in and out it just makes a big impression makes you think everyone's doing it and when it's really only like one out of 20 one out of 30 maybe even less but it's just so impactful to your psyche yeah it was so at the end of the day and the most unrelaxing part I drive back through Pennsylvania was so beautiful and wonderful besides you know all the sights you get to see all the wonderful things um, you can have there. So, um, 
and, and uh, even Western Maryland was nice. So the, um, you know, but you get immediately when you get off the plane, it could be everything was relaxed, but then it was so tense. And that's on a Thursday night, right? At 8.30. So, oh, don't say shit about these other towns. Don't say anything about those cities on the East Coast because you know what? Uh, if you're in South Florida, it is mad down here. I don't see why everyone goes off on Florida, how great everything is all the time. And I'm just talking about the big cities. You can't say shit. If you don't have shit to say about Miami, don't say shit about New York or Philly or Baltimore. Because they all have the good things and all have their bad things. And everyone goes, oh, we don't live up there, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Oh, now it sounded like a bitch fest here, right? Well, it wasn't. I'm sorry. I will be back. I'm going to probably do another episode today if I can. And I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank all the people I saw at the wedding. You know, uh, I, uh, the bride and groom, I hope they have a great time. They're in Israel right now, but uh, for their honeymoon. And uh, my sister, my brother, his fam- her family, his family, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my nieces and nephews. Uh, nephew and nephew, great nephews. Yeah, I saw them. I have some pictures. And if you want to watch and see anything about the wedding and stuff like that, just go to uh, the Keys Bartender Facebook page. And I posted some pictures about it. Thank you very much and have a great day. Take care. Bye.